What's up, y'all? I want to talk to you about the Aubrey Marcus weekend coming up. It's going to be in Los Angeles, November 10th and 11th. We've got a laundry list of dope coaches, including myself, Kyle Kingsbury, Mr. Aaron Alexander, who's been a guest on my show, as well as Aubrey's to help with yoga and movement patterns, Christine Hassler, who's an incredible coach, Whitney Miller, Aubrey's fiance. We'll be talking about relationships and many other personal ways to transform your body, your mind, your emotionals, your spirit. We'll be talking about personal transformative practices from physical optimization to mental, emotional, and spiritual. Duncan Trussell's going to come in for a speech, and Chris Ryan might even show up. Chris Ryan's a fucking man. (laughs) I would love it if he showed up. So we've got just a laundry list of great people there. We're going to do all sorts of practices from walking meditation, breath work out on the beach, ecstatic dance, yoga, how to stretch and move properly, and just really anything that we find to be the best practices we know of personally, we're going to share with you guys. And we'll have intimate conversations, the ability for private dinners, and all sorts of cool things are going to go down here November 10th and 11th in Los Angeles. Go to aubreymarcus.com slash weekend for more. Welcome to the Human Optimization Hour podcast with my buddy, David Rutherford. David is a guy that I met out at one of the Mastermind Weekends here at Onnit. Uh, former Navy SEAL, absolutely amazing guy. This is hands down one of the favorite podcasts I've ever recorded. And I know you guys are going to dig it. Thanks for tuning in. So I don't know that I would, I've, I've heard the same thing, but what I hear is that the cold water helps sper- sperm and it's like super hot. That's an issue for male sperm because the females are stronger than the males, right? That- so if you were like always in a hot bath <laughs> or a sauna, then you might have more female but if you're doing the cold, it should be a decent balance there. That's the science that disproves the frogman theory. <laughs> and when you take a step back and you actually talk to guys, it's pretty even, you know. Yeah. So we just I think it's more of the kind of the behavioral aspect of uh paying the man for certain uh unintended uh activity, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So now it's beautiful. It's 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 just you know, two were heavy for sure. And then, and then especially being a single dad with it, but now with her and she had two girls, her oldest is 10 and her youngest is six. So it's 10, seven, six, five. And it's a, it, it, so the number one thing I've always struggled with is just the profound nature of patience. Right. And I suck. I just didn't have any patience. I think the experience in the teams that eradicates, right. Just like you, you're, you know, in, in fighting, you're always on the gun. You're mm-hmm. all that clock is you, you just it's impending, right? And with four little girls who don't can't even conceptualize the space-time continuum, you, like <laughs> I have to put that in check significantly. So. Yeah. They're they're great teachers, aren't they? It's funny. You think of all the things you're gonna teach your kids, and then like <laughs> right out the gate, you're like, oh shit, I gotta learn. I gotta learn quick. Well, the funniest thing for me was I remember when I, when my when my ex was pregnant with our first, I I was I was working for the agency, and I'd come home like literally still had Afghan dust in my beard, right? And we went next day right to the ultrasound, and we go in, and I, you know I've given a million ultrasound. I was a medic in the teams and stuff, and, and I've delivered like five babies before, so I, I knew the the routine. So they're sitting there and they're going back and forth. 
And she, she, meanwhile, she's like talking to my ex. She's going, so what do you think it is? And all this. And my, my ex is going, well, I think it's a boy. I, for the whole first trimester, I thought it was a boy, but now I'm thinking it's a girl. And right as she says that, the, the thing stops in between my oldest's legs. And obviously there's nothing there. <laughs> and she goes, well, guess what? It's going to be a girl. And in that minute, Kyle... I went from like, I had the entire, you know, every manual I ever needed to raise a little boy got flushed down the toilet. <laughs> and I imagined holding this little girl and then walking her down the aisle in an instant. And I realized the, the, the greatest fear I've ever had in my life that wow. I had no idea what to do with a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I strongly believe that our next child will be a girl. How, what, what makes you think so? Well, I, I saw it in an ayahuasca vision. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I've been batting a thousand with, uh, ayahuasca visions thus far with coming to reality. So really? anything that's, that's given me a glimpse of the future has come to fruition. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain. It's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. Is your wife as certain as you are? Does she trust in the vision yeah. that you have as yeah. well? Was she's, she with she's, you? Or? She's had, she's, we've had our first child is, is uh bear. We shared the same vision of of her holding a child or me holding a child and her holding the two of us. Wow. And she we you know they go around at the end of the thing and they have a closing circle where everyone gets to speak about what they went through and saw and she starts describing this and I'm like, "Hold on. Don't mean to cut you <laughs> off, but I had the exact same <laughs> vision." And she was like, "Wow." And a month later we went back and it was the same but now it was a boy. Yeah. And you know, all of our fears of being parents came up and everything like that and it just realize very quickly, like, none of these are my fears. They're just what society tells you you have to do. A hundred percent. There's no perfect time to have a kid, you right. know? And then all that shrunk down and moved away from me. And a month later, we were pregnant with our son. Wow. That's impressive. Was that the first uh, ceremony you guys had gone through? No, we had done a few before okay. that. Yeah, we had done a few. But So the, 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 the clarity of, and the trust you had in the vision came through yeah. right oh yeah wow. well, especially because it was the second time in a row where we see like now you're showing me the exact same thing and it's a boy so it's more real it's more vivid and and you're showing me this again right and right. both of us had the exact same vision two you know twice in a row right that's, so it was like i was like <laughs> oh awesome, shit man. all right nail in the coffin <laughs> i guess we should get started <laughs> the check, you know? like, yeah. what, what color we don't you just go right for the colors and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly that's cool that's yeah. super, so let me ask you this are you gonna go and get an ultrasound or all that i, know, I think i'm sure and we want to know sex or i'm sure just gonna, i'm sure we will just because just to verify you right. know and then maybe maybe it isn't who knows but i mean i'm at this point i don't think there's i mean there's no doubt in my mind that's cool. So it'll be cool to yeah. give Bear a sister and to have a little girl. If we could only somehow be able to, you know, funnel that clarity, right, into, you know, parenting as well, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it, where you would say, where you'd have the vision of, this is how you should parent this child that you're going to have. And yeah. I think that's the great challenge for me because- you know, going through a divorce last year, I jumped in all those books of, well, what are, what are the, what are the things I'm going to have to worry about? What are my fears, right? Is it uh, high promiscuity? Is it, is it drug abuse? Is it all these things from broken homes and those influences? And I, I mean, I read like five books in the first two months and I, I shocked the shit out of myself. I, I really amped my fear through the roof and I, and I didn't have any 
you know, because I was still in the process of going through it. So I, I didn't have a real good footing. And you know, my triangle yeah. was bad, right? <laughs> my triangle was bad. And so, you know, I, it took me a long time to realize, you know, the parenting aspect. There's a, there's a, there's a framework, right? A morality that we, we want to try and stay within, right? And not mm -hmm. be too morally ambiguous with, with that direction for our children. So that way, when they are on their own and facing the monsters every day, they have their own framework too. But what I'm, I'm learning now is the framework is not a derivative of other people's. I mean, they have good suggestions, good opinions, but it really comes from the person you're doing it with. Yeah. Right. And, and even though I'm, I'm separate from my ex, I still have to acknowledge what happens in her home, you know, and now I'm, I'm with this new woman that I'm in love and she's a wonderful mother to her too. But I now have to as, uh, assimilate into her framework as well. And I think the more concise you are at building that structure and finding what cornerstones are going to be the foundation for your parenting skill set, man, now you're cooking with gas, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. Is that how you guys are doing it with your son? Yeah, I think it's about, it, you know, it's exactly what you're talking about. You're not going to agree on everything in life. Just like you're not going to have, I mean, you don't want to date yourself. So you're not going to find <laughs> Great this, even if you wanted to, <laughs> you're not going to find the person that likes all the exact same things that you like and the same exact movies and the same exact sports and fill in the blank. It's not going to be, you perfect. dating you, right? It's right. not going to be perfect, right? You're going to have compromise. You're going to have different ideas about all sorts of shit. What's cool, what's interesting, what's entertaining, and also how to parent, what's important, right? And so mm -hmm. I think it's really finding what is the common ground that you can build that foundation on so that way there's consistency and congruency in how you parent. I right? love it. I love the idea of common ground, right? Common ground is is really about shared ground, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think from my past of being in the service as long in special operations, you know, my whole mindset was I, I have to take ground. And, and I'm really finding as the parenting aspect is saying, it's not about taking ground. It's about creating a, a, a great perception for whatever ground they choose to follow or whatever path they follow or whatever lane they go down you know, hey, these are some tool sets that worked for me, that worked for your mom. And hey, hopefully you can figure that out. But that shared ground between the parents and that shared ground amongst our, the people we love most in our lives, right? That's the real challenge. How, how do you share, you know, share ground back and forth when you, you know, and you guys talk about it all. You know, I love listening to your podcast in Aubrey's and and, and a lot of people talk about that ego and, and wanting to hold the ground mm -hmm. or take it and hold yeah, it. Yeah, the need to be right. The need to be right. It's such a big one, right? Man, it was funny. My, my best friend and I were chatting about this today, as a matter of fact, you know, that, that sense of, you know, when you're in a discussion with somebody about something that, that's meaningful to us, that can, that can help, um, help share ground taking a step back and allowing a person to push their thoughts out without the recognition that I'm ready to pounce all over it, yeah. scramble it up, make it to where I want to work it, and then push it back out. And it's really allowing it, the ideas of other people to sink in. And we've really lost the art of conversation. Oh, I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's far. You used to be able to tell like, oh, it's kind of odd talking to that person because they're always, it always feels like they're just waiting to jump in. Right. You know, and I never get to finish a sentence or finish a thought. 
in that in those conversations because they just cut me off real quick. They always have to interject, mm-hmm. right? And then there's other conversations where you really feel, and it's a palpable feeling, like you feel like you were heard. You know, whether that person agrees with you or not, that's what we should aim towards, where we can actually hear and listen to each other and work on those listening skills. And from there, that then you want to continue the conversation, right? whether they, whether you agree with the person <laughs> you, or not, right? Totally, You're like, look, totally, I felt like I was heard. Totally. That person really listens to me. <laughs> they don't agree with me on certain things, but right. they listen, right? And Absolutely. That, yeah, that opens the door for further, like, good communication. It's you know, and now like I'm really becoming conscientious of the words I'm choosing to use in front of my kids as well. And, and, and that's leading in and now doing what I do also for a living. I have to be conscientious about the words I'm going to choose, whether it's an audience or on on my show or whatever it is, you got to think it out more, but the impetuousness of youth, right. And dependent upon the culture that you've been saturated with, Man, when I was in the teams, it was like you open your mouth and if it's not if it doesn't fit the the group think in that moment, man, you're blasted for it. And I remember I'd walk into the platoon space in the morning and they'd be like, "What, man? You know, what'd you do last night?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I did." And they're like, "Shut up." You know. <laughs> there was a, my favorite thing in the world at, at team 1 was you're a new guy and you show up and every, you know, you'll have all the platoons out there and you'll get on the grinder before and it's the morning muster and, and the, you know, the master chief will be like, all right, we've got some new new guys on the team. We're going to call them up and you get up there and you're like, and you know, I was the first guy up there and they're like, all right, Rutherford, go ahead and tell everybody about yourself, where you're from and all that. And I said, you know, I'm petty officer, and the whole team was like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't want to hear me. Shut your mouth, new guy. You know? And I was like, wow, this is going to be tough, man. <laughs> and so you're preconditioned for this, you know, putting on your armor every day. Mm-hmm. Build the walls. Build the walls. And, and man, you, you carry those walls long enough, and you forget the beauty of, of what it means to share words with other people. And, and I think, you know... It, for for me at least i you know going and now getting the opportunity to experience people i never would have dreamed coming in contact with before if i had done 20 years in or whatever and now saying man i'm i'm a student of life i i really want to understand the human condition as deep and as and as as profoundly as possible but man a huge component of that is shutting up yeah <laughs> Yeah. And there's, I mean, one of the lessons that I've had in the, in the plant medicine space continually has been to not take myself or life so seriously. I mean, How do you do that now? That, so, so the answer is, to that, yeah, yeah. right. The answer yeah. to that is to play. It's to play more. And in that looseness of playing and acting like a kid and, and really putting humor forward, right? Like yeah. if I can joke about things and that's something I love about comedians. I mean, there's some comedians that are dark as fuck. Like they will say <laughs> shit that you could never get away with saying. If I tweeted something like that and I was a non, non-comedian, I'm going to get fucking <laughs> roasted. Yeah, right? I'm done, uh, right? Yeah. I'm fired from on it. <laughs> so there, there's things like that. But I always appreciate that because to me, it's it's if you can turn something like, a, especially, you know, a horrific situation, if you can turn that on its head to where there's a glimmer of light and a glimmer of laughter with that, then it's all fair game, right? And then we it allows us to loosen up. And again, we can take things, and including ourselves, not so seriously and play a bit more and loosen up a bit more and behave like kids, you know? Absolutely. I, You know, one of the things that I, I really 
was profound. We we had we had Matt Best from Black Rifle Coffee on, one of our first guests that we had, you know, and and, and it was, you know, when you start from, you know, you're brand new, you're like, holy shit, are we going to be able to do this? And, you know, Marcus had been interviewed 10 gazillion times, and but, you know, never been on the other side of the mic. And so it was really interesting to to try and go and dig into really what is driving people to do what they're doing, what what enables them to never quit. And one of the profound things that Matt said, and he's a he's a really deep guy. I mean, I think everybody just wants him to be, you know, epic rap battle, Navy SEAL versus Ranger on YouTube or whatever. One of the amazing things he said was, you know, humor is the source that connects all of us. It really is. It enables us to cross over those, those you know, those thresholds where, you know, if something's a little uncomfortable with... And if you can crack a joke or kind of sync up with someone else's humor, whether it's dark or light or whatever it is, man, it eases the tension. Yeah, it's that's the icebreaker. <laughs> right? It's the ultimate icebreaker, right? right? People ask us all the time, they go, why do you guys waste, you know, 10 minutes at the beginning of every show doing your mad minute where we ask, you know, ludicrous questions. What's your first car? What's, you know, what, you know, what? who's your favorite superhero? Just, just this meaningless, mindless stuff. And 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 one of the things is, and I learned this, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned about that process was I became real close when I was, I was for about two years, I taught case officers at the CIA how to kind of behaviorally integrate with soft units downrange. Because, you know, when you look at our training, it's diametrically opposed, right? Soft orientation is total team mentality. Case officers in the agency is individual compartmentalization on every level because you can't have information crossover. Otherwise, it could jeopardize the, the value of the intelligence potentially. And I never I became real friends with this one guy who was who had been in the Marine Corps, brilliant dude, gotten out now he's doing this. And he was like, he's like, David, do you think that like when we go and I meet with a senior ranking member of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban or something that I, I, you know, I shove my, my, the pistol, my, you know, the barrel of my pistol in his mouth and tell me right now, otherwise I'm going to shoot, you know, do you think that works? And I'm like, what, you don't do that? I mean, that's what I think we do, you know, and <laughs> it's like negative. He's like, it, we spend six, seven months getting to know these guys. We sit down, we, every meeting we have, he goes, my first 10 meetings with some of these top guys, I never once discussed anything operational. It was about rapport. It was about trying to gain that that connectivity, right? Mm. Trying to gain that trust, which in that case is really unique. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything because at at a certain point, now granted, when you give a guy $100,000 cash, he's got a little bit of a motivation behind it to, to, to share. But even then you have to get to that point, right? And so he said, the number one thing I would do is laugh, crack jokes about stuff and- and just try and get that going, and it would settle that everything down. And so the the value of humor, I think, is really transcendental if you if you get into it. That's why great comedians. What do they make us feel, man? I mean, you watch Joe on 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 stage, and it's like holy cow, it's incredible. Or Dave Chappelle, or mm-hmm. how my favorite was always Robin Williams. Man. Yeah, I he was so good. His insanity. So when he when he died, I had um, I down like there. They have a lot of his albums, his former comedic, comic albums, on uh, iTunes. So right. I downloaded them all. That's and cool. I, just, I had a, I had a long flight and just listened to all. I think I was going. Um, 
to Kuwait and Iraq for a tour for the troops when Very I was in the cool. UFC. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, you got 10, 15 hours to kill. <laughs> so it was, it was amazing. But yeah, hey, uh, he was so talented. Mm-hmm. Just, just incredible. What I, you know, what I always think that when you get to know people, you know, there's, you know, how many different, you know, components of our character, right? Or our personality or however you want to describe it that become the relevant aspect of those of those deepened relationships. And, I, you know, I, I believe it's a few in particular. I think one, if you can share pain effectively with other people, I think it's a wonderful bridge across, you know, past culture, right? Or in cultural influence. I think the other is, you know, if you can be funny and you can laugh and enjoy yourself, if you can share experience with each other, be able to travel, right? Yeah. How many times do you hear, I can't travel, They're, they drive me nuts, right? Well, that's a component of adventure and, and, and broadening our horizons. And then the most, the critical aspect is, is allowing yourself to, to love and to be loved by those other people. And, you know, so you think about those core things, but how often are we really allowing ourselves to be intentional in those those pockets of those developmental relationships, right? Yeah, that's something that Rogan talked about is and it's not like he invented this this line of thinking, but how, you know, and and some people have said scientifically if we were to try to name it it'd be because we all have mirror neurons. Right. But right. we're always trying to behave in a manner that everyone else approves of. You know, like we're always just <laughs> want to fit in. We always just want like and and there's so much self self-criticism, whatever that voice is in our head about, oh, does other, do other people think this is okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did they like it when I do this? Yeah. Did they like me? How, what did they think of me? You know, like all those things. And that's not really being your authentic self. That's trying to be like a, an amalgamation of everyone you know that's cool, mm-hmm. you know, and try to fit that in. And it's there's no authenticity there. Yeah. And in the, that experience, I think it's hard to truly feel like you're loved because the thing that you're putting out there is not you, right? So Absolutely. it doesn't matter if fucking somebody loves that. That version of you is not who you are at your core. And, and I and I love, that's what I love so much about what you guys are doing here, right? Is you believe in the totality of human performance. You know, I, I, I go, I, you know, I, I work with the Boston Red Sox. I've been with them for three years as, as kind of their mental performance guy. And or one of them, the, the main guys, this brilliant guy, Laz Gutierrez, who's a former baseball player, but I come in and help with kind of the nuanced stuff with players and, and, and getting these guys to think outside of the spectrum of what their, what professional base baseball does. I mean, you've been a professional athlete, you know, the conformity that, that is driven into that space and freeing yourself is not an easy thing to do. But here you guys, when you guys talk about, you talk about that totality the, the challenges, I think, and what I'm hearing, what I'm getting back is everybody's pathway is different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I can't, and, and people, I mean, I know you, you guys all deal with this every day. You, people are like, all right, I want to be Tim Kennedy. Right? How do I be Tim? <laughs> well, you're not, first of all. That ain't ever going to happen because he's one of a kind. They broke that mold, right? Yeah. But if you want to have some I, components of what he is in terms of his passion, his drive, his commitment, you know, his, his zest for life, you know, is uh, uh, we can help you towards that, but you're, you're, you know, you, you don't have to join the green berets. You don't, have, you know, you don't have to go into UFC. You don't have to do all these things, but people are, be, they get, they get become afraid of how long that pathway might be. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think the one of the bigger components in that in in all of life, you know, as I've said many times on this podcast and in life, is many many paths lead up the mountain, mm-hmm. right? And we're all we're all working towards getting to the same spot, right? There's different ways to get there. Some take longer than others. Some roads are harder, but it's just continuing to move forward. It's about taking that step each day the and making progress and and learning, you know, setting your goals and having things that you're shooting towards, but also having some contentment and some happiness with where you're at in life mm-hmm. and a little forgiveness for the mistakes that you've made. And, and all along that way, that makes it easier as you navigate, right? Yeah, for sure. I, the one thing I struggle with, and I, and I really want to believe it's true, is that we all do have this peak that we see, that we want. And, you know, I want to believe it's, it's a peak where, you know, we have a peaceful heart, a peaceful mind, where there's a, a component of, of ease that exists for all of us. I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm still on the fence, I, you know, and having do, done what I did for so long and really seen the, the power of evil that exists on this planet, man, it's, it's tough to, 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 to swallow that, right? It's tough to say, all right, people that are in this, you know, profound ideological fascism, if you will, right? In terms of whether it's uh, whether it's Islamic radicalism or whether it's, you know, dictatorial, you know, a dictatorial regime in power or even in our country and wealth, the, the upper 1% and, and how what they're willing to do in order to stay in power or all that. It, it makes me go, all right, man, there are possibly are two peaks. And I, where does the road, dive, where does it split for people? Mm. And that's what I'm questioning, you know? I mean, how do you, what role do we play? Do, is, is it really as profound as, you know, we get with somebody and we say, hey, listen, trust me, I'm going to get you to this peak, or I, I'm going to help you along the way. We never hear anybody saying, hey, man, I'm going to help you get to this peak. But there certainly are a significant amount of people out there driving people towards that, that reality. W- what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I've, I've certainly, you know, it's funny. I, I, uh, I, I don't mention this often because I don't want uh, people like, oh, fucking leave the country then if you don't like America. <laughs> There was a time where I wanted to move outside of the country right. because I was a little bit disgusted with what was going on here and uh, wanted to be closer uh, to the plants in the Amazon and also thought I could take jujitsu and MMA out to those countries and and maybe bridge the gap of having right. a business with also still being closer to nature in the Amazon. Cool. And as I went through Central and South America, spending a week in Peru, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Panama, I realized we have it fucking good. <laughs> We have it so good. We have it Amen, so good. Brother. Even with all the shit going on, like we are fucking blessed to be born yes. in this country, right? Amen. Really are. Yes. And if you do want to affect change, you got to be on the fucking front lines. You're not going to do it from Switzerland. You know, no. like you got to be right where the action is, right? Yep. And that's where your voice is heard. That's where people can, you can really navigate that. So I don't necessarily know, you know, um, where people diverge, you know, and end up going down the wrong way uh, and not just necessarily like, oh, this, you know, the guy got drug addiction and and wound up dying or overdosing or whatever. Like that's obviously a bad path. Um, but 
you know, heading towards joining ISIS or heading towards doing like, there's some, there's some weird shit going on. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of Westerners and not just Americans, but Westerners in general, you see making a switch because they go full bore opposite direction revolt of whatever this current system is that we're in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it takes a closer look at it. Ne- we need to take a closer look at what's going on with mental health, what's going on Absolutely. with our quality of life. Because there's enough people waking up to this saying like, hey, this isn't right. I don't like this. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to be a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully if there's enough common ground and humanity in them. Then they just, they choose to move to the mountains or they choose to, to be a yogi or they choose to do whatever that, that's beneficial. a peaceful path yeah. and beneficial as opposed to let me go kill and try to go against this thing head on, right? Right. Well, it, it begs the question, how easily influenced are we, right? I mean, how easily can we be manipulated, right? By the information that's out there. Mm-hmm. And, and what I want to, I think the greatest things that I, I you love dialogue. Uh, you know, you listen to your conversations with the people that come on your show and man, you have great dialogues with people because you're, uh, you're, you're a consumer of, of other people's thoughts and to explore what's the potential. Now, the great challenge, right? What we're seeing is, man, nobody wants to talk anymore. Everybody wants to just stand up and identify themselves in these really unique identities without any any ability to say, oh, hey, I really respect your opinion. I don't agree with it. I don't like it uh, per se, but I'm going to hear what you have to say. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to I'm going to be um, respectful, right? Yeah, yeah respectful. Like that's all out right? the window now. Right. With it's, social media. Respect is gone. It's gone. Trolls I mean, are everywhere, bro. When I first started, <laughs> man, I've I've been at this long time, right? And I mean, I remember the first videos I started putting out on YouTube was back in you know 2008, you know 2009 when you know I was I I quit working for Blackwater. I, you know, I got out of the teams in 03. I went to work for Blackwater for a couple of years. And then I was like, this, this is not what I need to do. Started Frog Logic to work with kids and develop kids programs. My main thing was self-confidence. Started doing these videos, man. And I remember I put stuff up on YouTube, brother, and I'd get obliterated and I'd be on there, you know, engaging and getting sucked into it. And I'm like, wait a minute, all I'm trying to do is just put out, just be positive, man. I, you know, I have a life of negativity with becoming a trained killer, right? I don't yeah. want that anymore. And but the reality is, man, it, it is about that sense of 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 being heard and posturing and 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 power distribution. There's a brilliant guy out there. His name's Gert Hosteed. He's this Dutch guy, old guy, and he's like the premier guy in studying culture, right? He's been studying for forty plus years and has really drilled it down to the, you know, nationalization, national culture right, versus organizational culture. And he has these, you know, six basic concepts that exist in every country and whatever, because he's, he's interviewed 10,000 organizations in, wow. in every country, right? I mean, it's the amount of data he has is off the charts. I remember reading his book called Software for the Mind because I, I wanted to, I was, how do we turn our, our team into Navy SEAL culture? And I was like, well, I don't know, spray him with cold water and beat him to death. I don't know, but that's not going to work for you, you know. But so I wanted to understand culture a little bit better. And he came out with these concepts that, you know, the masculine, the feminine, uh, avoidance, uh, power avoidance versus power, you know, consumption and and all these things. And, and he started going, my gosh, man. 
we're really pulled in at an early age towards all this stuff. And without that significant influencer, that person that can stop you in your tracks or grab you by the shirt tails and say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen to some other ideas. Listen to some, make, and make your own opinion. I think it's a challenge. The problem I, I see now, and I still do a lot of work with kids and, and, and college athletes and stuff, and, and is that we, we really, the information we're getting isn't that good a lot of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. People are snapping to judgment and snapping to, to an opinion without getting the totality of what's really going on. Yeah, and we, I mean, how bad is it if the majority of what we consume is negative, right? So if you got the news on all day long, that's not fucking good. That's <laughs> not good for anybody. You're not going to have the world figured out because you're up to date on current events. Like they're only force feeding you the most jaw-dropping, holy shit moments that happened in the world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like pure yeah. panic. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're running around like Chicken Little. The sky right. is falling. The sky is falling. I mean, totally. that's that's what they want to serve you. Yep. So if that's the only thing you consume, like that's a real issue. You know, and there's Absolutely. that just goes for that goes for a lot of things too. I remember, um, you know, Chris Ryan was saying I, I, after he was on a Joe Rogan's podcast one of the one of the last few times, he was like, you know, I, I feel it. It's it's humbling and it's a fun. Um, forgot how he worded it, but he was basically saying like, it's a fun exercise to go and read the comments. And Joe was like, no, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. And people were like, yeah. you fucking cuckold, you know, like just, just, just laying into right? them thick. Right. It is a great exercise. Yeah. And, but I mean, I mean, it's funny cause, uh, you know, I tweeted a photo before I was going on with him last and, um, somebody just wrote, Fuck this guy. That was it. I was like, it. It had, we haven't even started the podcast. Like, <laughs> like you haven't heard me a word come out of my mouth yet. But fuck yeah. you, Kyle. Yeah, fuck this guy. So like, and part, that part of that is just, it's mountain, just funny, right? Yeah. yeah, that's okay. You know, but I think they're there. We have to have a redirect where, you know, like, like Rogan was saying, we push towards kindness. We yes. push towards being positivity. nice and positivity yeah. and, and sharing and just, and having empathy and compassion for one another. Like there's so many of these things that have been taught throughout history and all spiritual traditions yep. and brought through the course of humanity. And it seems like overnight that shit's gone out the window. That is the main reason why, you know, Marcus and for your listeners, Marcus Luttrell and I started the Team Never Quit podcast because we wanted to bring more positivity, right? We wanted to bring better information. And that's why podcasts in general are changing the platform of digital consumption across the board, right? And we wanted to do it by saying, here, come on our show, tell us your greatest never quit story, which is a lot of times pretty negative for people, right? The circumstances, whether it's, you know, Diana Nyad swimming from Cuba to Florida, you know, it took her 30 years to do it. She completed it at, at, at 62 years old. Or it's, you know, it's uh, Charlie Plum, who was a Vietnam POW in the Hanoi Hilton for 2,103 days. Damn. I mean, he's the pinnacle. He's number one. I mean, he's got, he's got, if we're going to rank him, he, he definitely is, is, is there. Or, or Laura Logan, right? We had Laura Logan from 60 Minutes on, and she talked about getting raped by 300 men in Tafar Square in Egypt during the uprising. 
with vivid description. So, the, you know, it's great. The irony in it is, is here we're having these people open up and share these really tough situations in the hopes that the, the listeners are going to say, in my darkest hour, if I listen, I can find some positivity. I can, I can flip the pain from being negative pain with the negative insurgency just chawing at our soul to flip it into a positive application of pain. That is going to enable me to then take that and teach others, hey, we're going to be okay. There's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so often when we look back on whatever the struggle or stressor or challenges in our life, it, it turned, it, it ended up being a positive. It ended up helping us grow. It ended up helping us force us out to do this new thing or change the way we were behaving or, or start a new relationship or a new job or whatever the case may be. And then you got to have some gratitude for that event, right? It, it, it is. It, it can be, it can be positive in hindsight. It's just when you're balls deep in it and in, in the, the shit, that's, the, I think that's the, the biggest learning curve is how do we find the ability to stay calm in the eye of the hurricane? You know, like how can we really just know like, all right, life's throwing a lot of shit at me right now, but you know, it's going to serve me if I, if I just look at this on a long enough timeline, right? Right, right now, I don't see why it's happening. I don't know what it's going to do for me, but there, some good will come from this. Oh, 100%. Like, there's a brilliant guy out there from Yale. His name's uh, Dr. Charles Morgan, who's this off-the-charts guy who spent 30 years studying Green Berets, right? And his big thing was, all right, why in, in high-stress situations are Green Berets' pulse rates staying down? Why is their neuroconductivity more on an equilibrium? Why are they still able to function? Why can they make split decisions in life and death without freaking out? And the way he studied is he went to the SEER, uh, which is search, evasion, escape, and resist, resistance and escape. or It's basically uh, uh, be, learning how to be a POW and all this. And he put all this stuff, and, he, and the, the, the SF guys – you know, under hard sell where they're getting smacked and the beat down and, you know, and getting hammered. You know, these guys are holding hard at 155 beats per minute. They're, they can do other, you know, games neurologically, solve crossword puzzles, answer questions, you know, take them in a car, out of care. And he was like, wow, this is fascinating. Whereas the other regular army infantry guys or whomever, man, they're spiking. They're at 190, you know, where now their limbic system is completely over in their prefrontal cortex. They can't think, they can't do anything. It, uh, I mean, you you know that is better. Fighters know that better than everybody else, right? And and how can they stay in it? Well, he calls it stress inoculation. So, right, the power of stress inoculation. I've, and I, I had this real fascination because everybody was telling me fighters have it the most. And so I had this incredible opportunity through a guy named first one through Lex McMahon to work with Stefan Struve a few years ago. Yeah. I saw the pick of you in his locker room. Uh, unbelievable so guy. He's such a good person, such a good guy. Um, and then just recently I got to work with Andre Arvlosky, another amazing fighter, epic, incredible human being, right. And, and his commitment towards his skill. But my fascination was like, all right, you get in there and what happens, right? What goes through your brain as you're taking that impact? Well, the person that manages that stress inoculation that really has put the effort in, they're the ones who can stay closest to making good decisions that is going to benefit the outcome for them under the, 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 the magnitude of that type of pain. 
So I go, wow. And this is what we do in the teams, right? You go through buds, you're getting hammered, just crushed. So you can make good decisions when bullets are flying past your head. Right now, how do we teach people in the civilian world that in order to access that component to be able to love greater, to be able to find that happiness, to make humor and under stress, how, how many stressful situations do they have to go to before you have the awakening? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, at that, I think that really comes down to are, you know, how much of the stress are you choosing? Right. What's what's chronic? What's Great acute? Point. Right. We know acute stress yep. is good for the body, hormetic response, body rebounds stronger. Chronic stress is debilitating, right? Mm-hmm. In all forms, whether that's chronic stress from having a shitty diet for 30 years or chronic stress from a bad relationship, right? Whatever that case is, chronic not good, acute is good. Mm-hmm. So how do we choose? What are the things we can choose acutely right. to stress ourselves out that when we when we willingly put ourselves through that, whatever that is, whether that's going through buds or doing um, seal fit or something like that, right, where right. you're not going to become a seal, but yeah, yeah let me let Great me try program. right something like that, or maybe just get a cold bath and let me go into that every single day at 35 degrees and see what that Wim does Hoff. for my brain, right? I mean, there's there's <laughs> yep. tons of science backing yeah. that up, right? Yep, and and in that. Uh, the ability to stay calm in that thing and willingly say yes to it that changes the outcome of all those other interactions you have throughout the day. In your process, because you, I mean, you have one of the coolest jobs in the world, right? You're the head of human performance at Audit, right? And, and, and it's your job to really test the waters of what's possible, right? Scientifically, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. When did you first, when did you start to get to that space where you're like, I, I think I know what I'm talking about now? Yeah, that was tough. I don't know. You know, I, I knew, I knew what I knew, and I was fascinated with learning all throughout my fight career, mm-hmm. and I continue to learn after retiring. It probably wasn't until I went on Rogan's where, you know, he really encouraged me afterwards. The first time, like, hey man, you got to start a podcast, and I'm like, yeah, you tell everybody that. And he's like, no, seriously, <laughs> you, you'll be really good at it. And you um, are really good at it, by well, the way. <laughs> thank you, brother. Thank you, and you as well. Thanks. But I, I just wanted that. You know, I, I heard Chris Ryan talk about. The reason he wanted a podcast was was two. One, selfishly, he wanted to become friends with the people he was sitting across from. And Very he wanted cool. to interview these really fucking cool people, <laughs> you know, that, that were fascinating to him. And he could become buddies with them, right? right. Have a relationship and, and learn from those people in the conversations that he's having. Mm-hmm. And then in doing that, too, you can share that with the world and other people benefit from it, too. Massive, right? yeah. Yeah. So, like, once I heard that, I was like, all right, whether I suck or not, I'm going to try this thing. You know, and I had a podcast before coming here to on it, mm-hmm. and obviously just switched it over to this because largely it's the same people, same conversations. Aubrey's done a great job of giving me free reign and not putting any constraints or boxing <laughs> me in on what I can talk about, what I can and can't Probably say. You know, the best boss to have, the for best that. boss in the world, <laughs> best boss in the world. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I think I think it comes. There was a, a, as with most things in life for me, it was fear of the unknown. Right, which Amen. is kind of huge for everyone. Massive, right? And then, all right, I'm, I don't know, so let me just have a little faith and just put one foot in front of the other and gently walk forward and press on, and and I'll make mistakes and stumble here and there, but as I go, I'll learn and I'll get better and I'll improve. Right. You know, and in doing that, now I can look back and be like, well, man, I've been on it for a year. Podcast has doubled its numbers. Like we're doing great. We're doing big things here. I've, we've got probably. 
five or six products coming out because I work in product development yeah, as well that I've been right. working on with Aubrey over the I, last year. I love year. that you're the guinea so. pig, by the way. That, that's like my favorite <laughs> it's thing. It's such a rat. In Aubrey's show, every time he talks about the guinea pig, he's like, oh, I just give it to God, but he has to adjust it. You're, <laughs> you know what you're, you're like those dudes, the test pilots from the original NASA missions are like, oh, just give it to Shepard. He'll the, fly the, the thing. Yeah, 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 right? The monkey that goes yeah. into space first. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been, you know, I would say the vast majority of my guinea pig missions have gone really well. And there's been a couple that that I, I overdid it, but you know, <laughs> it's cool. It's fun to be able to experiment on ourselves and to have some type of model, you know, like whatever the self-quantification is. Like, yeah. all right, I'm not just gonna go at this haphazardly or go based on feel. Like, let's try to quantify some things. Does this improve my workouts? Does this improve my recovery or sleep or fill in the blank? And um, I've got Vince Kripke here, who's a PhD and and you know yeah. really good into vetting the science and yeah. making sure that what we whatever model we set up is is intelligent and done in a way that's going to be constructive. And that's it's cool. been awesome. It's been a blast. It, it really is. Like I like the way you talk about you know. Feet, just feeling your way through things, right? And kind of being reactive to the stimulus that comes back, which unfortunately is the grand majority of people out there and how they advance this concept of managing their embrace. I call it embracing fear or, or really kind of exploring the potential within their own minds and hearts and all that. But it's funny, man, one of the greatest guests we had on was this guy, Eric uh, Weinmayer. And he blind guy who climbed Everest, but he also climbed every other peak, you know, on the seven summits. He climbed, uh, what, he just went down the Colorado River in a kayak by himself. We had a guy got kind of screaming out, left, right, left, right. But he did that. <laughs> I mean, this guy's off the charts, right? And when he talks about it, he says, you know, being on the rock or being on a mountain is about the relationship you develop with the process. And the, and the closer relation, we go back to this relationship that you and I are talking about, right, is the closer you become with that relationship, the greater probability of success you're going to have. So, but there's still, right, he can't just throw on some kit and, you know, put, let's, for like for us, we were to bring him in our world, right? We throw him on body armor, some helmets, and, you know, night vision, but give him a gun and put him in a kill house, he's, he's going to struggle. So he had to establish that certain baseline, right? That certain base of training that gave him the confidence to be able to go out. But he said, man, his perception of, of movement, of whatever, really became fine-tuned because as he's sitting there looking and feeling for what for us, you know, we put our hands over and looking at, that's not big enough, I'm going to die, right? He feels something. He's like, oh, that's plenty based on my 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 skill set to move mm. forward and and I and I, what I struggle with because you know as as you guys I'm sure are inundated right hey how do I get to this fast how do I get to this how do I make this jump you know <laughs> you know I, I you know how do I become a Navy seal I don't even know how many you know what do I need to do to make it through buds just don't quit that's what I tell everybody right? <laughs> don't <laughs> ring the bell don't ring the bell it's <laughs> pretty simple I don't you know go to Jeff Nichols if you want to know the whole program I am that's not my thing right um but it's really becoming growing developing a relationship with the process as well too and and, and that's what I'm just fascinated by, by here, what you guys do here. I mean, you, 
you you care enough about each person, each client that comes on board, whether it's, you know, a, a professional athlete in the NFL or a fighter in the UFC to, you know, Joe Schmo walking in for the first time or, you know, Mary mom, soccer mom coming in, you know, listen, my life's in channels. How do I get there? And you guys take the time to develop that intimate relationship with the process, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a cool, it's been a cool experience. So you, you finish your career, you dive into, well, you finish your career with, with the seals and then you go into black water. And then from there, it's about positivity, right? And you start with kids. I listened to the frog logic podcast <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. And this is a couple of years ago, you know, yeah, but it's it like, yeah. it's, uh, you had one on anger and American politics. <laughs> And I was like, this is fucking gold. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, fuck, this is right around when Trump went in. You know, like, like I'm sure shit was hot. It, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's insane. I, it, we've, we've lost the ability to subdue. And, you know, and, and listen, we, this is the greatest country by far. And I've been all over the world and been in countries that, you know, are not the greatest countries, but not even by a long shot. But we've really lost this sense of, of, of acceptance to what the country is. And again, going back to the process, there's a voice for everybody. It's just, you have to follow a, a, a longer process, right? Right. Get involved in local politics. Uh, you know what I always recommend to people and, you know, my favorite is, you know, going on Facebook and seeing people just slay each other politically, like, you know, one video after the other Fox, CNN. I mean, it's just madness to me. It really comes down to, you know, allowing yourself to hear these opinions and not getting angry about it, right? But anger control, as you guys talk about all the time, is a component of that ego, is a component of fear, all this. But we, we, we really have lost that sense of, of, of needing to work together, right? The last time we really felt that, I think, you know, in all genuine seriousness, historically, was probably Korea. You know, and then the Vietnam War initially. I mean, we we went into Vietnam in 58, and it wasn't until 66 that people were like, wait a minute, maybe something's not going right here, right? Yeah. And the and the dialogue changed, but you know, and then the countercultural revolution got us out, which was great. Um, but ever, you know, ever since then, you know, we haven't had the the necessity of protecting the process of America. In, which was impending enough. I think post 911 I mean, I remember, you know, after that day for months, there were flags on every door. People were willing to work together. It didn't yeah. matter where you're from. It didn't matter what culture you were. But, you know, but that dissipates over, you know, now we're 17 years into the longest two wars in history, you know, and, and I, quite frankly, I'm starting to go, why the hell are certain dudes over there? Now, there is a strategic reality and requirement for, you know, the, the impending doom of nuclear, uh, nuclearized Pakistan and then the almost nuclearized Iran, but you know, why do guys still have to go over there and keep dying, man? I mean, what is the mission that significant where we, we, we aren't keeping these guys at bay or is it a greater context of the military industrial complex? And I'm saying this and I'm a believer in it, right? I, I believe in it, but it goes back to that sense of, Hey man, wh why is it the dialogue? Why can't we, why can't we chat with each other anymore? And I really, I think it's a component of time. Right, you come on a podcast, or you you go to lunch with somebody, and you you know it's at the end of the day, or a dinner, or you break bread, you invite someone over to your house. When the the, the constraint of time is freed, 
it allows people to settle in and, and really kind of, hey, okay, I, I don't have to make my point because I got to get out of here in 25 minutes. We, we can listen to each other a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Time is a big one, right? And we see that now with kids, having kids and, and how, how that culture, like when we were born, there wasn't, there wasn't even fucking cell phones, right? So let alone iPads and shit like that and the internet. Now, uh, I forget what the, what the exact number was, but the average video watched, the, 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 the most consumed form of media is video. Yep. And the average video watched, I think, is under 60 seconds. So that's, that's bananas because it shortens the attention span. And then how does that translate into the world? Well, all right, now it's, I feel completely heard when I dish out that 140 character tweet and say everything that's on my mind, or maybe I put one at the top and then two at the bottom and I get it out in two, two right, tweets. Right? right. But it's like, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. You know, we're, we're never really, and I, I, that's also one of the reasons why I've, I'm not on Facebook as often is because they don't have that limit. And people will just put their life story up there on a yeah. post, right? But still, that's not being heard. That's not sitting in front of somebody and actually having a conversation and putting things in context where it's just, it's, it is Great taken point. out of context, right? It's just one little slice of how you're feeling and why, and it doesn't allow the back and forth. And be and if it and because it's not in somebody's in front of somebody's face, if there is a back and forth, it's often charged because there's Amen. no real. There's, I totally, there's no real consequences from mouthing off online. At you know? all. None. Yeah. There isn't. And, and that's why you think back in the day, you know, there's a component. If 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 you went too far with somebody, you could get popped, right? Or that was an ex a component which, which kind of created the nice framework of civilization. I mean, you might, you know, people, wow, these guys are, he's a SEAL, he's a fighter. They're, of course, they're going to lead. Uh, you know, why can't we all just get along? Well, we can't. Even the most you know, socially conscious people who believe in a nirvanistic society where there's a freedom to whatever, we're seeing them put constraints on freedom of speech, whether you like it or not. I mean, you know, Cal Berkeley, who is the, the cornerstone of the counter, counterculture, them in Michigan, a counterculture revolution who, who breathed fire into the free speech concept, now is not allowing conservative people to give speeches on their, their yeah. campuses. And that that's just madness to me. I... I I like to think of it as, and it's funny when I, when I started working with the kids, it was like, all right, how are we going to prepare our children for the type of world and how rapidly it's advancing? Right. I heard this I think It was on your show. You, one of your guests talked about how information, like from the history of information, right. Led up to 2000, you know, three or something. Then, well, that doubles every two years. Right. And it grows at this exponential level. So the quality of information, the magnitude of information, how we process it, it goes back to that kind of moral framework we're talking about with our kids and raising them within that. Well, one of those components is like, hey, man, when you desocialize and you take away the, the, the necessity of conversation, the necessity of patience with another person, contextual ideas, sharing common ground, right? When you take that all away, what happens to the framework of society? Right? It starts to fray a little bit. It starts to, we get, you know, too fat in the hog for all these concepts and we lose that sense of, hey, there is a governance that exists in the framework of society that we have to adhere to. And I believe one of the most significant aspects of that is, is respect for one another's ideas and words. Yeah. I forget, um, Giles, maybe you know, or, may, or maybe you know, um, there was a computer program 
like a, a an AI that was put online. Do you remember that? I yeah. think it was on Twitter. Yeah. And the computer, the AI was supposed to just prompt questions. And and the, the goal, right, is like the Turing test. Can do you, can you tell it's a bot or a human? And but it had through machine learning, it would start to behave like the people it was interacting with. And right. like within 24 hours, it was just dropping Talking like trash. the most racist. <laughs> shitty comments on earth to people less than a day it had learned to be a racist piece of shit you know so like going back to that mirror neuron thing like how much of our algorithms as human beings are like that right like how much of of us is a little bit like the computer right it's a little bit like the ai where we're learning from others and we we now say like right like oh that's that's it's okay to be enraged. It's okay to talk shit to people and tell them they're a fucking piece of shit and all the things that we would never say to them face to face, but I can say it online, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, and and when you when you start and what I love is the people that are studying the internet now, right? And studying, you know, social media and how our exchanges are going, in particular with kids. And when I first started, it was a crazy number, like by the time this was 2006, right? By the time kids were 13, they'd seen like a million images. Like when we were kids, it was like 50,000 or something. It was barely anything because there was three channels on TV and most of the time we were outside playing, right? And and guess what? And by the time I went back to kind of look at it, that, n- that number had doubled. This was like by 2010. So it's like 2 million images right now. And then the numbers for, I forget where I just saw this, but Average allotted time that a, a young male boy ages, you know, I think it's like 12 to 15 is connected. It's like six to nine hours a day, right? Or Damn. something crazy. And then girls, it's 10 to 14 hours. Yeah. Hopefully there's a shift, right? I know that there's shift. some, there's some private schools. It's like, it's like the political system. It's going so far left and so far right, that big pendulum swinging. Yeah. And then hopefully we start to gravitate towards back to this, this maybe a little bit more centered and Hey, I agree with some shit on the right. I agree with some stuff on the left and, and that's okay. And we can have the conversation. Right. But in school, especially when you're talking about connectivity and things like that, I know of a couple private schools, I forget the names of them, but I was just reading about them, not allowing any kids to have, um, they're all, all cell phones have to be turned in yep. and then you can gra- grab them at the end of the day or you can't have them on. They have to be on airplane mode, but if you're caught with it, it's taken from you. I, I love you it. You know, like, uh, and that's all day at school. That's not, there's no, it's not a lot at recess. It's not a lot on lunch break. Like it's just not a lot period, mm-hmm. you know? And if you need to call home or, Hey, I'm out of school early or, or whatever, like it's you allowed, can have right. access when you're, when you're done with the day. But I mean, like that's, it's so important. Right, especially it's really not necessary to be that connected at all times. No it way, really isn't. Because like you, you made the fat, you made the perfect point. What are you actually digesting in sixty seconds? What are you actually digesting in, in a? Tw- I mean, how fast? And I'm guilty of it when I go through people's. You know, here it is on on my Instagram. I try and write something poignant every day, right? My daily dose of frog logic is 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 based on something I really have been thinking about promote the day or a couple days before to try and delineate that. But then I get on there and I'm going through and I'm seeing my butt like like and just and stop instead of going, wow, what are they putting out and what are they trying to get at and what and to really stop and, and ruminate on it, right? But it's man, we're conditioned. We are. 
behavioral conditioning or operant conditioning, man, is, is those, those guys were geniuses that, that, that came up with those theories. I mean, yeah. and, and the internet is, is the primary example of that. When you look at these big companies and what they're doing and how they're doing it, man, they're, they're, they're knocking it out of the park in terms of that. Now, what we're seeing though, when you see Facebook lose $13.1 billion is you're starting to see the other components in the backlash, the greed, right? The, 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 the lack of trust by exposing all of our information to everybody. And, mm -hmm. you know, and now people are like, I'm not, you know, it was funny. Uh, what's his name? Uh, pride of gypsies. I love a new Aquaman. I forget what his name is. Great dude. But Oh, the new Aquaman. Yeah, uh, Cal Drogo. What is yeah, his name? Is Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. There we go. And I love him, right? I love his energy. I love his vibe. He's an artist. I was a former artist in college and, and you know, the, the book of face, you know, and, and I, I guess somebody got stole his ID and was out there and starting, you know, hammering people with it. And I, and I go back to those two peaks and I go back to that, that reality and no matter what. And you, you, if you don't believe that two peaks exist, just go through human history. And that's why I, I think a, a, it's a requirement, whether you're working with children or you're working with athletes or you're working with people or you're on a podcast, the information is to say, hey, listen, the temptation is substantial and, and the allure is, is substantial because power is alluring, right? And you can, you can bash somebody on the internet and walk away and feel like, oh, I feel great about myself, right? And, <laughs> South Park did an right, episode right? on that. You, you're actualizing <laughs> yourself and, and demeaning someone else. It's crazy, but that's how we are. And that's what we were being fed through our whole cultural indoctrination, depending upon where we're from. But man, wouldn't it be nice if, if at the same time, you know, because you hear it, you hear the dialogue out there going, no, we need to be better. We need to be better. We need, we need to be more inclusive. We need to be, we need to be more open to ideas. We need to stop worrying about the threats on that. We, you know, we got to talk more, but, but we're not doing it for some reason. And, and I think, well, not a lot of us. I mean, some of us obviously are trying to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, right. Is there, is it when it hits a top pendulum that drives it back down, you know, and that's the only way it shifts through, you know. Yeah. Does it, is it always, is, does it inevitably get worse before it gets better? That's what I'm saying. It might. And how far <laughs> do we have to go, bro? Yeah. I mean, I mean, realistically, when you think technically, if, if violence is the capacity for which we're civilized, we're in the lowest level of violence in human history. I mean, the lowest, the least amount of conflicts going on. There are more democracies everywhere. Uh, I, you know, corruption still corruption. I, I, I don't, that's a difficult one, especially it's bred in culturally in many different places. But man, we're at the lowest level of violence. So you would think, all right, oh, hey, this is awesome. Great time to be alive. <laughs> great time to be alive. Now we have the great opportunity because there's not somebody coming over our shores that wants to change our way of life. Hey, we can work it out. Let's take time and let's figure it out. But well, I think that that in and of itself, what you just mentioned is a part of the problem. Ironically, right? We don't have a threat for death. We don't have a, a daily worry. God we don't have you. to go out and find our food. We don't have to worry about shit for the most part. So that gives us this free time to nitpick yeah. and be all, in, you know, up in arms about whatever the case is, you know, whatever the news of the day is, whatever this thing, just whatever Trump just tweeted, whatever the thing that's going on, to be enraged by that, right? <laughs> to let that bother you to the point where 
it just fucking ruins your day, you know? And there's a lot of people that are affected that way by whatever current thing's going on. And it's because they don't have any real threat in front of them. None. None. None, brother. None. And now people are going to, you know, misconstrue what we're going to say next is, hey, well, they're an advocate for conflict, right? And that ain't it. That's not what I'm saying. I I go back to this core concept that, hey, man, pain is going to happen. It's all present. It's never ending. And that's just the way life is, right? And it's going to come in in a variety of different ways, whether it's aging, whether it's, it's, it's tragedy. I don't care what it is, but it's about the perspective of pain. Now, you know, when you look at throughout history, man, and the greatest pain the world's ever known was World War II, right? When you have 75 million human beings are die in that span, that's massive. And that was what drove the world towards working together to quash Nazi fascism and Japanese imperialism, right? Because the threat was real. Now, you know, how do you induce a threat that forces you to be nicer, right? Yeah. How do you do that? What is the question? Well, what are the things that bond us together? You know, I think, have you read Tribe by Sebastian Younger? Yeah, man. Such a good one. Love him, Such a good one. I remember him on Rogan talking about, and Aubrey's mentioned this a number of times, but, um, you know, when they interview the people in London, like what was the time where they felt closest to everybody? It was when the bombs were dropping, right? Yeah. Like, because then they they all banded together. Like, my house is yours, whatever I have is yours. Like, that was the most communal living that had ever existed, right? And the most shared brotherhood that had ever existed mm-hmm. because of that threat. hundred percent. Right? One of the greatest wake-ups I had, you know, going through this divorce last year, having spent so much time on culture, I really became confused. I'm like, all right, I, I get it. That's a scientific way, but what's the emotional connectivity that, that crosses borders, right? And I had this thing because like I'm going through is really challenging. I really had my entire interpretation of love shattered into a, a million pieces, right? And I was flayed out over the spectrum of my existence, right? Going, holy shit, I don't know anything that I thought, right? And had all these people start coming out and buddies that had been through divorces and people that had gone through hardship and whether in losing loved ones or whatever and created this divorce tribe, right? To pick me back, put my pieces together. And one of the things I came to realize that pain doesn't give a shit what you look like, where you're from. And it's one of the greatest things that we can connect on, right? Like I, you know, you being in a former UFC fighter, man, I think that's the coolest shit on the planet. I have ultimate respect for that. Uh, you know, just, but brother, I don't, I don't know what it's like. I've never done that walk into the ring, which is, man, just walking with those two guys, man, my pulse rate shot through the roof. I'm like, holy shit, they're going to get in a fight. They know they're getting a fight, right? And I'm like, <laughs> damn, man, I'm all spot up. You know, Bruce is doing his thing. He said, I'm like, holy cow. But all right, but but I can I I I don't understand that superlative. But what I can understand is when Andre walked out and his face was a mess. I've I've been punched enough. I know it. That I understand loss, right, and losing something I was really passionate about. And so there's this connectivity that we exist in in pain. 
And the willingness to share pain with one another is really, I think, the crossover for us. But we we don't want to expose our pain, right, in that sense of vulnerability. (laughs) We want to expose the pain in terms of anger and aggression and posture, which, as you guys talk about all the time, the walls, the unnecessary walls. But man, when you can say, hey, I'm I'm exposed, man, I'm really hurting. What do you think? You get a genuine answer, I think, for the most part from people. Yeah. And there's a difference in that communication style, whether it's online or face-to-face. It's just that, like, you know, if you're in an argument with somebody and you're like, well, you said this and it, and I can't fucking stand that and I won't stand for it and blah, blah, blah. And rather than, you know, like, I really feel this way right now. And, and that may have been from what you said, but whatever, that's my trigger. That's for me to deal with. But this is how I feel about the situation. And just taking it on yourself in a way that is non-blaming, right? And allows the other person some wiggle room, right? Like, like you always- They're not boxed, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not in I remember the guard. My, my dad told me when I was young that to never start a fight, but you can finish fights, but always give your opponent an out. Oh, great advice. Always give them a way out. Great Don't advice. ever back them into a corner. You know, don't, and, and, and that can be verbally too. You know, if you're John with somebody- give them some space. Don't, don't just run them into the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that so much of the need to be right influences how we communicate with one another. Amen. It influences how we communicate with our loved ones, especially. Oh, right? for sure. How many times do you get in arguments? And I'm really learning this now, right? Before I, we were an arguing mess. I mean, I'd, I'd deploy for, you know, 60, 90 days with the agency you know, every day was the day I could get blown up or killed or whatever. I come home and I've left my wife with a newborn, my ex-wife with a newborn. And I come home and expect, you know, give me some what I need to, to process this. And she's like, you've been gone and left me with this bullshit. And we weren't able, we weren't going to come off that. And so we we destroyed one another and destroyed, ultimately, I think it destroyed our marriages. I think we're different people and that came out through all that destruction. But now it's like, man... I, I, you know, the temperature rises with this, this new woman I'm in love with and man, I'm cognizant enough to go, Kyle, take a breath. Why am I pissed? Why do I want to stand and fight when we're not fighting about it? We're trying to actually help one another and to create, create that space that you're talking about. Hey, and I, and we, I did it just the other day. Cause I'm, you know, going on the road for a couple of weeks here and it's like, she, you know, she was. And I started doing that that uh, uh, ketogenic diet, and I'm I'm an there. You ass- go. I've been an asshole all week because of it. <laughs> I suck, you know. And it I, gets easier. Oh, I hope God bless you, please. <laughs> I hope it does. And uh, and uh, but it was just to just hey, you know, let my love be the guiding point, you know, be the post of of pivot and say, hey, all right, what are you, what are you really saying to me? Because I'm I'm confused right now, but we struggle with that. We, we allow all those other things to get in the way, man. And, and I think the great, and it goes back to what we were talking about with that, that putting yourself in positions that teach us patience, that teach us humility, that teach us respect, that teach us, that becomes a great challenge. I mean, because we, from day one, you know, around five, six, seven, we learn to compartmentalize fear and, and, and stray away from it and push it and, instead of allowing fear to be the great teacher for us. Yeah, brother. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think another, another good tool, is, I'm going to interview this guy, Dr. Isaiah Hankel on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking about start with the end in mind. He has a TED talk on that. Start with right. the end in mind, right? And work your way I've back. It, yeah. So, and that's, that's really the thing that's helped me in, in like pretty hard conversations to have is what is the end goal here? Well, if it's with my wife, like I just state it. I love you. I want this to work. I don't want any issues. I don't like arguing. And work your way back Great. from that point. Great like, advice. Like, like, right out the gate. Look, I love you. I'm sorry. Let's let's talk about this and step back from that point, the end point of love, right? Yeah. Whatever that is. And that that's how he, he uses that for more towards goal attainment and things like that. Know what you want out of life. What is you know, what does the vision board look like? Does yeah. it include travel? Does it include friends and laughter and and all these components that go outside of wealth and success and the shit that we all really try to focus on? Right. You know, like how would you archetype the best possible life, right? And as you start to think of those things, if you have that vision in mind, it becomes easier to backtrack from that endpoint and put those things into place. It, it, it really is. And, and I love that you started it out. I love you. let's go back i mean the love is the cornerstone of all everything we have right if you and and i know now there's no such thing as perfect love right other than you know i'm faithful guy i'm christian and so i I believe there's a perfection within my faith in christ and god through that but with us (laughs) with us you know who we are as human beings and those two peaks that exist you know man redefining that love on a daily basis in those relationships that truly mean the most to us becomes the great challenge. So I love the concept of saying, hey, I love you, but I'm struggling with this. Help help me figure it out. Let's deconstruct it and help Mm -hmm. me figure it out, right? If <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful if there was like some kind of you know bizarre rule or law out there that said you had to start every conversation with "Hey man, I love you," <laughs> but, but let's let's help me get to that component, right? Yeah. How how you know it was funny. I, I there was someone posed this photographer that I'm following, and 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 I love following photographers because you know through a different prism they show us the beauty of life, and and he had these four you know four you know two square boxes. And this was the before and after picture of him saying to somebody, meeting them, hey, can I take your picture? Oh, okay. You're beautiful. And then that was right after, hey, you're beautiful. And the smile and they're, you know, everything that happens with us, you know, and and you think about, man, we are wired pretty tightly. Our conditioning is pretty substantial within that spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Where do we lose the faith in that wiring? You know, where does it, where does, again, where does that path go into two different places? You know, is it, is it at 14, 15 when we're trying to find the hierarchy of, of, of our place in, you know, these teeny little groups? Is it, is it when we get older and we've experienced some? Is it when, you know, when we're at the place you and I are at, we're like, okay, that really isn't important anymore. And now I can define my, the core of my purpose within that spectrum of love. Man, it's, it's about that influence and where it comes and at what time. So, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer wholeheartedly that love is, is, is the key, man. Cause I'll tell you what, I've, I've seen enough hate and I know that shit doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) 
Brother, we killed it. We did it, my man. Dude. You got another one coming up here with Aubrey. Yeah. And uh, I think his will release before ours does. I'll probably release this end of October. Okay. But um, where can people find you? Where can they listen to you with your podcast with Marcus? Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm go to uh, the name of the podcast is the Team Never Quit podcast with Marcus Luttrell. Any media device that has podcasts, if type it in on iTunes, just type in team are the first one that pops up. Subscribe there. You can go to the website at tnqpodcast.com. If you want to follow me, I'm at Team Frog Logic. Uh, website's teamfroglogic.com. And man, that's it. I, I want to say something to you, though, man. And, and I was really excited to say this. You know, having been a warrior myself, and realizing that life is, is a lot more than that, right? And, and all the components of the drivers that push us towards that existence to, to meet somebody like you who realizes that that's not the source is really powerful for me because it makes me have faith that I can let that go. I don't have to carry the shield anymore. I don't have to live in the world and I can feel fulfilled by not being in that space because you do that so well, Kyle. And I want to just thank you for being a, uh, an example for me on that. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's been fucking amazing. You having you on. We'll definitely run it back in the near future. Amen. And I look forward to listening to you on Aubrey. Thank you so much, brother. Awesome, brother. You. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening. Leave us a five-star review if you thought that podcast was fucking amazing like I did. Uh, and as always, go to onit.com slash podcast for 10% off all supplements and food products.